Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. How you doing? We're good? Everyone's good. Hey, we've been doing this series on the book of Psalms, as Pastor Brandy said, and um, I, I have been encouraged as a, as a perpetual feeler, that's me, um, I, I'm encouraged to, to look through poetry and songs where it shares some emotion and some feeling and thought. So, you know, sometimes when you just feel like you want to just blah, get it all out there and you don't have to, you don't have to be put your words together perfectly. That's the book of Psalms is a beautiful book of poetry and songs, really, where uh, they're different writers explaining, expressing their hearts to God. And um, there's just so many beautiful expressions of, of who God is and the human condition as, uh, as we are. So I'm grateful for this series, and I believe that God has some good things to say. Now, I'm just going to say it off, off the top. Uh, if you can, if you can help me out here as we go, if you agree with something, if you're encouraged by something, just let me know. You can you can talk back and raise your voice a little bit, and that's good. Otherwise, I might just sort of keep circling the plane until I feel like you understood what I was saying, right? So I'll just keep talking, and if I feel like, oh yeah, they got it, great, then I can move on, and then we'll be out of here within like two or three hours, as opposed to five or six. So. Just joking. That's a dad joke. That's joke number one. I'm a dad of six, so I figure I'll probably slide in at least six dad jokes at some point along here. Uh, just need to do my part for humanity. Uh, as, hey, this is. Uh, have you ever had? Have you ever had a, a terrible first job? You know, hands up if you've worked that job that you thought, I just got to do it. It's a money-making job. But you look, you look back and you're like, Lord Jesus, thank you for taking me out of that season because that was horrible, yeah? I've, I've worked a lot of different jobs in my life, uh, handed out a lot of resumes. I actually am at to the point now where I quite enjoy the interview process. It's, it's sort of maybe a little bit sadistic. I'm not sure. I just kind of enjoy it. I'm like, well, this is, you have my resume. Let's just do this. Let's see if I can work my way in there somehow. I kind of, I kind of enjoy it. But I think back to some of the times that, some of the jobs that I've had. And, and if you're taking notes today, uh, the title of our message today is Don't Forget Where You Came From. Don't Forget Where You Came From. So, uh, I, I can think of a couple jobs that I worked. One job in particular, uh, I worked on a, a dairy farm. All right? A dairy farm. So lots of cows. There was milking. There was cleaning up after animals. And there was pitching bales of hay and all that kind of stuff. And it was a good job. I was about 14, 15 years old when I was doing it. And, uh, the, but the worst part of that job was uh, cleaning the animal calf, the calf pens, the little baby cows cleaning out their stables, basically, right? So you had, you can imagine how bad that would be. Imagine, so maybe you can't imagine yet. I'm a, I've, I'm a dad of six, like I said, and I've changed a lot of diapers. Babies do that. They eat and they poop, and that's about all they do. But, so imagine now baby cows. That's essentially what we're, what we're dealing with. So, but no diapers. So you're, you're in this, you're, I mean, guys, it, it's, it's about, about knee deep. You're about that high in stuff. And uh, it's, it kind of, it almost supersedes one scent. You know, like one sense. You know, it's like you can smell it, but you can, there's definitely a taste in there too. You know, 
So, so you, you walk away, you walk away just, you're, you're breathing it, you're feeling it, you've become part of, of that. That was, and, it, and every once in a while I think, oh man, I didn't want to do, clean the calf pens. But I look back at it now and it's, it's kind of a humble reminder of where I came from, uh, lived in a small town, little farm town, and it's good to remind ourselves that we, we never outgrow hard work and humility, right? So as I'm looking in the Psalms here, we came across this week in our readings, came across Psalm 23. So Psalm 23 is, is, would be arguably the most, the most famous passage, one of the most famous passages in the Bible. A lot of people know this Psalm, even if you're not a church person or if you wouldn't consider yourself uh, to be a Bible reading person, you've probably heard a portion of this psalm before. Sections of it have been in songs and co- like current like rap songs and everything. There's just like there's pieces, bits and pieces of Psalm 23 that have been ingrained into society. And I'd like to read it for you today. And we have it up on the screen here. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's what a nice poem. It's it really goes a lot of places really quickly. I'm a songwriter, and I when I see that that uh, passage in six verses, it goes from needing rest to going through horrible times to coming out on the end victorious. It's kind of this pack, this neat package that you can say in a, in about a minute. And uh, but if you dig a little bit deeper, there's a whole lot to this psalm that I'd like to unpack. Firstly. This psalm is written by, uh, by someone named David. So David was a famous king, the most famous king in the history of Israel. And he, uh, he started out as a shepherd. Okay, so a shepherd, was, a shepherd would be one of those jobs that I just described. It was kind of a lowly position. It, was not a, it wasn't a glamorous job. You wouldn't go, um, it's not really the type of thing you'd go back to your 10-year reunion and be like, hey, what are you doing? Well, you know what, I'm, I'm shepherding now. Just got a, got a, a flock. And uh, yeah, things are going well. I live with the sheep and I, I uh, talk to the sheep. I clean up after the sheep. I uh, didn't lose any sheep this year. So that was, had a good year. <laughs> had, uh, so yeah, the, the sheep know me, <laughs> and I know them. Boy, let me tell you, you know that's not really the it's not the glamorous type of job that you would that you would look into. Actually, shepherds were seen as really um, as really uh, low caste kind of society people. They were actually shepherds had a reputation of being um, of of being kind of uh, some of them would steal things and like they. You would, if you saw shepherds walking down the street and you were with your kids, you'd probably come on, sweetheart, and go to the other side of the road. You, they're, they're not really the group that you'd want to associate with or hang out with, right? And interestingly, if you think back to the Christmas story, if you recall, uh, when Jesus' birth was being announced, he came to who first? Shepherds. 
which maybe you didn't know that, but there's, uh, there's a verse in, in the New Testament, in the second half of kind of the Bible, where when Jesus comes from heaven to earth, born as a baby, and the angels show up on the hillsides to meet with the shepherds. The shepherds may have been the only ones awake at the time. I'm not sure. Uh, the shepherds also kind of worked graveyard shifts, probably. So that's just another, another ring in the, the social ladder that they, they had a tough time with. But that was an attempt at dad joke number two. But it wasn't a very good one. That's okay if you're keeping track. Um, so the humble beginnings of a shepherd. And, and David now, has he was a shepherd. He started out there. He had some older brothers. And David was actually anointed as king. Uh, really, his brothers were more qualified. But he got uh, called by God because God knew his heart. So David came now. He was anointed as king. He was a warrior. He was. Uh, he led his nation to victory. He. There's a story in the Bible, David and Goliath. I'm sure you've heard of that. He killed this. Killed this giant. He's a, an amazing character. And even when he made it into his, uh, into uh, his kingship, he looked back and he said, "You know what? The Lord. The Lord is my shepherd." And he, uh, he dared to to compare God to a shepherd, which, on first hand, after hearing what a shepherd was seen as, that seems fairly brazen and bold to call God a shepherd, but he's also comparing himself to a sheep, right? And sheep known as being, uh, uh, being kind of dumb, actually. Sheep, sheep weren't intelligent animals, weren't as if they've like changed over the course of time. Sheep, I don't think, have got more educated. They're still not very smart. Um, so sheep weren't very smart. They're prone to wander. They, they needed help. They would, uh, they would need help all the time. So, so David is comparing himself to a sheep and saying, God is, the Lord is like my shepherd. He's the, he knows me. And I'd like, I'd like to just follow through a few of these passages, a few of these verses here. So when you think here, verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another, another translation says, I have all that I need or I lack nothing. That's beautiful, isn't it? Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I don't need a thing. God, uh, the shepherd, he, he would live among the sheep. He, would, uh, he was their protector. He was their physician, really. He, he knew them. He guided them. He knew everything about them. So it was the shepherd's job to do exactly what the sheep needed because the sheep didn't know themselves, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. That verse, uh, this picture of... of um, the sheep don't know where to go for food. They, you're not going to send sheep out to pasture. Just say, "Hey, go find some, go find some grass and come back." They would just wander all off. They don't know where to go. They need the guidance of the shepherd, right? So he he causes us to uh, to find the right place. There was one uh, one theologian that said, uh, "Sheep only lie down if the shepherd takes care of uh, four things: fear, because sheep can be anxious." Easily, easily, uh, easily stressed out animals. Anyone relate? Hello, no, <laughs> maybe some some sheep, some stressed sheep here. Um, sheep will only lay down if they if you deal with their fear. They're also social animals. So if if there's any friction, if there's problems, if there's kind of like backbiting and talking about other sheep and everything, did you hear what they said about your wool? Any of that kind of stuff? Sheep didn't really like that, right? So there's if there's friction between the sheep, if there's tension and animosity, they wouldn't relax. So there's fear, friction. If they have flies, they're they're prone to get diseases and everything. So if 
the shepherd has to take care of them, make sure they're not getting sick, and, and if there's famine, right? If they don't have food, they're not going to rest. So those, those four things that if the, the shepherd takes care of those pieces, then the sheep can relax, right? So he makes them lie down in green pastures. He leads them beside still waters. Even that, you can't just take a sheep over to a raging river because they're, if their wool gets a little bit wet, if they step down near the water, it gets wet and heavy, and then they drowned, right? So there's all these things. Sheep are super high maintenance when you think about it. I'm just laying this out now, and a shepherd would not be an easy job. He restores my soul. He restores my soul in verse 3. Um, another translation says, he renews my strength. And I love this. Uh, it says, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Isn't that a beautiful picture? This, so you know when you're stressed, sometimes sometimes we're stressed because we're just busy. Sometimes we get stressed out because we're, we're just going in the wrong direction. I think of some of my kids when they've come to the stage of crawling where you're pretty much perpetually saving their lives all the time. It's, they're into something, they're exploring, and it's amazing. But the number of times that my, my kids will be walking in one direction and they're just kind of going. You pick them up and they're still sort of paddling and you just turn them in that direction instead. Then they go in the right direction, right? My son, I used to be able to pick him up and he'd just run in midair like this. It was amazing. Uh, so th- that picture of, of the Lord picking us up and just put, like, letting us rest, pointing us in the right direction. For his name's sake. That, that means, um, so it's really for his honor and his glory. I think if you would look at a, uh, a master taking care of all the different, managing all the different people and his household, and if his sheep were multiplying and if everything was going well, that would speak well of the shepherd. It means the shepherd's doing a good job, and he'd be honored by his, by his master. But others would say, wow, you have a lot of sheep, you have a lot of cattle, all this stuff under you. So the master gets the glory in this kind of way. We really do things for Jesus. It's not for ourselves. Verse 4, even though I walk through uh, the shadow of the, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, a rod was, was a piece, uh, it would have been like a club maybe, or like a, almost like a baseball bat. Sometimes they would have a, a rod to protect their sheep and a staff that was like the, the typical shepherd's crook with a, a hook on it where they would draw them close. So actually David's using language to say, he's, you protect me from evil, but you also keep me close, right? That shepherd's crook hooks you in and keeps you close because the shepherd knows exactly what you need when you need it. And we take a turn here. It says you prepare uh, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this is great. We see, David, you, you've really laid out some, uh, some excellent poetry for us on who Jesus is. That's great. You've related to him. Uh, as a shepherd, I'm going to crack open my root beer here because I'm a little thirsty. Um, so you say, David, you've, you've laid out what, a, what God is like. You've compared him to a shepherd. That's great. But how does, this, how does this apply? And we can talk about all these things, but if we don't leave change, then uh, we're, we're missing the point, right? 
I think uh, good, good music, good poetry, good songs uh, evoke some kind of emotion in us, but then it also um, it, it compels us to change. Right, changes our perspective. It makes us think of things a little bit different. So when I'm looking at when I'm looking at this passage, and I think, okay, so what now? What now, David? I think first thing that we need to do in response to God as a great shepherd is I think we think we have three responses. Response number one is we need to be willing to follow. Right? It it sounds really simple, but imagine a. a uh, a sheep who wasn't willing to follow, right? That would be kind of ridiculous. It's like this stubborn sheep who's like, no, 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 I'm going over this way, right? The, the, the shepherd is, is calling us. The Bible says, uh, my, Jesus says, my sheep know my name, or know my voice, rather. Um, and sheep would actually, they would recognize the sound of their, of their master, and they would come when he would call, right? So we have to be willing to follow. I was thinking of, you know, that old, there's a phrase, it's like herding cats, you know that phrase? <laughs> Let's not be like cats, okay? And I think of a cat's, my one daughter, Tanisha, loves cats. And I, and I said, what is it about cats that if you didn't like cats, what would, what would, how would you characterize them? And I know it's hard to ask because uh, you feel like uh, so connected to nature. But she said, they're just so selfish, <laughs> they are sick. I love cats, but they're selfish. It's like they'll only come, they'll only come over when they want something from you. And they only they'll they'll do things they make like, man, I, I'm not a cat lover myself, but I can't imagine ever wanting a cat. After I heard that description, who wants to take care of selfish animals who are doing their own thing? And then I stop and I look at myself and I think, oh man, I have a long ways to go. Cause I think that I think some of us probably could work on our selfishness, selflessness. So I think uh, our first response is to follow, to be, like, to be like a sheep, to recognize that we need a shepherd. If we're left to ourselves, we are really foolish, we're in need, we're prone to wander. And, and God's just calling us. He's saying, firstly, recognize that, you, that you're in need because I know exactly what you need. I know everything about you. I was there when you were born, Right? I, I, I know what's coming. I know how to take care of you. Just stick with me. Just come, come close to me. Allow me to, to teach you. Allow me to guide you. Often I think of when, uh, when a sheep is going, uh, the shepherd probably had his staff there. Just a little nudge, a little tap, a little tap here on the one side, the other side, just to guide. You know, sometimes parenting is like that. It's not like totally cut you off and change directions. Sometimes it's like, okay, let's, you have this choice or this choice. They're both going in that direction, I already know. So which one do you want to choose? And we just sort of, you guide you. And that's kind of, that's, that's sort of this picture of a shepherd leading and guiding, protecting, knowing that God is deeply connected and knows everything about us. Um, we can trust him. So that's our first response, just to follow, be willing to follow, right? Second, our second response is in the, in the heart of, in the heart of the valley of the shadow of death. And that's a tricky one. Um, I think uh, what Brandy had mentioned before about how we've, we've all been through some, some challenges. And even that song that we sang, there's another in the fire there, uh, standing next to me. There's another in the waters holding back the sea. There's some reference there from different stories in scripture, but we, um, we've all experienced some pain, right? We've all experienced some, uh, some hate, some sickness, some disease, some, uh, some loss. And, uh, and 
that picture. I do love the, the language where he says, I'm, uh, even as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm walking, I'm still moving, right? We're still moving through that valley. Uh, we can't stop, right? We don't want to stop. But as we walk through, even there, you're with me. And I actually, if you notice, he doesn't say, um, to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, right? He says, I will fear no evil. Because we do feel the evil that happens, right? I'm, I'm not going to stand here and say, like, as soon as God is with you, everything is sunshine and rainbows. And you don't have to worry about a thing because you're invincible or you have some sort of, some sort of protective uh, cloak of invincibility or something that keeps you, keeps you hidden and protected. We do feel the evil because there's sin in the world. And when there's sin in the world, there's pain and people get hurt. There's heartbreak, there's disease, there's loss, death, all those types of things. But, but he says, I, I will fear no evil because I know that you're with me, right? And you walk through because you know what I need and you're, you're walking with me. So we need to face our fears, right? We need to face our fears. As a, as, a, as a follower of God, we've already learned to follow him and trust him. So now we just, we need to keep moving. We need to keep moving and face those fears, 1 Peter 5.7 says, cast all your cares on, on him because, because he cares for you. And it's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. We've, we've experienced some, uh, some loss in our family that it feels, it feels devastating. It really is. And it feels like you all, all you can do is put one foot in front of the other in order to, to not die. <laughs> Sometimes that's what loss feels like. It's almost, almost dead. You're almost dying, but it's that choice to get up and to face the fear, and no matter what's going to happen, take uh, even those words that say, I count the joy in every battle, because I know that's where you'll be, and it's not, uh, it's not this, this blind happiness in every battle, like, woo, battle, death, hardship, awesome. That's not what it's saying, but he's saying, I, I, count, I, I count that as not as significant as the fact that your presence is with me, and you guide me, and you walk with me. And, and honestly, I think if we would be honest with our pain, that really does, it elevates the work of the cross, doesn't it? If, if I say, oh, I mean, I've been through some hard things, but not so bad, then why do I need a Savior? If I can make it on my own, if, I'm, if things are okay, then that, that sort of cuts Jesus out of the equation. But, and I think sometimes maybe we say, someone will say, how are you doing? Ah, I'm, I'm doing great, doing great. It's like, well, really, I'm doing horribly, but I just want to put on this front and, and kind of hide. I think in our honesty, in our honesty in pain, that brings uh, a real depth in worship. And as we, as we worship Jesus from a place of honesty and authenticity, that's where he can do really good work in us. So, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not like you're going to offend him by saying, man, I'm having a really tough time. He already died for us. <laughs> so uh, us describing on how hard we are feeling like life is right now, it's not really making things worse for him. Do you know what I mean? Right? So, so Jesus has died on the cross for us. He, hasn't, um, he doesn't leave us in the valley. He walks with us. So we're following him. We're willing to face our fears. And our third response as, uh, as sheep, as followers of Jesus, is to feast in the fight. Okay? That's what I think. Feast in the fight. This picture. Now, imagine, 
imagine this. Imagine you're in a battle and you are, um, there's the enemies are around, you're fighting through, uh, you're seeing your comrades go down, you're, uh, you're yelling, like everything, there's just noise, there's death going on, and then imagine being like, hey, 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 wait, 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 pause just for a sec. I'm super hungry, guys. Anyone hungry? Um, what do you got in your lunch, man? What do you got? Oh, didn't like, like set out a little picnic blanket or something. What a crazy picture that is, right? I think, like, I mean, you're, they're using Uber Eats at best. Like, like just, they, they got to do something quick, right? How's dad joke three? That, that was a good one, guys. Come on. Give me something here. Okay. Um, but, but imagine this picture of, of God coming down and, and pausing, kind of pausing the fight and bringing down this, this banquet table. So you're fighting, and then he, then it's almost like this, and I, I picture it like this force field around you for a moment. God doesn't take it all away, but in a moment, he says, okay, just pause for a sec. Hey, I made you this great meal. Come on over here, because I know that you've been fighting. I know you're tired, and you feel like giving up, but I, I, I got some things for you here. I know exactly what you like. Hey, I, I prepared this medium, medium rare, right? You like it like that? Yeah, I knew. I know. I'm God. I know that. So he's prepared this feast for us in the moment and in the middle of the fight and the struggle, he knows exactly what we need. And the, um, he, doesn't say, uh, he doesn't say he'll take away the pain. And I actually kind of like the way that he says, in the presence of my enemies, right? It's almost, I think of it as almost a way for, for God to, uh, for Jesus to, to, kind of stick it to Satan a little bit <laughs> because even in the in the midst of the fight what uh what a, I wouldn't be showing my my opponent a whole lot of respect if I was like oh yeah just a second I'm just gonna grab a snack <sighs> right but uh, it's almost a way of Jesus saying like I got you I got this so much that you can even stop and take a lunch break and we're, you're gonna be okay you're gonna get through this what a cool picture hey so it, it really it 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 kind of takes some of the power away from the enemy when we can eat right in front of him. <laughs> what a crazy picture that is. I just love that. Um, there's one speaker, one theologian that says, this is the condition of God's servant. Always conflict, but always a spread table. I'm going to say that again. This is just really good. It's by someone named, Mc- his last name is McLaren. It says, this is the condition of God's servant. Always conflict, but always a spread table. So God expects that, he, he says, you know, it's not going to be easy. Life's not easy, but you are going to face struggle. And in that struggle, you actually will get stronger. It's not all struggle isn't bad struggle, right? All stress, stress can actually be a good thing. Pain can, um, pain can actually force you to push your limits a little bit. Physically, if you're experiencing some pain, you can push and, and break through kind of that wall to, to experience greater strength and tenacity and resilience. You can experience all these things, but, but there's, always, there's always a table spread for us. And he's, it says, uh, yeah, he's already, he's already with us. And one day, uh, it will, one day Jesus, our living hope, he will he'll make everything brand new and there won't be any struggle. There won't be any pain. But we're kind of living in a, in a, a time right now that some would describe as the, the already but not yet. Okay, it's this, we're, we've already experienced that we know that Jesus was alive, he, he died for us, he gives us new life, but uh, we're not quite to heaven, we're not quite to eternal life where he wipes away every tear from our eye and where there's no more sickness and no more death, but we're not there yet, but we're, but we're already living in his kingdom right now. Isn't that beautiful? 
Are you with me here? I know, I know it's warm in here, but, but stick with me here. This is good stuff. Uh, so we, we worship in confidence. In the presence of sin, we worship. In the, in the face of sickness, we worship. When we're tired, we worship. Um, about a year and a half ago, we have um, our, our fifth child. His name was Harbor. He, he passed away, and he was, he was born really sick with a, uh, with a rare blood disease, and um, he came home, and he was seeming to get better a little bit. He was making improvements. We knew that he was, had a lot of struggle, but one night, he, he unexpectedly died, and, and in that moment, it, it seemed like the world stopped, right? It, it felt like as I, as I looked at him resting on my arm and his body was cold and uh, it happened all so quickly, uh, it felt like a part of me had died. And in that, in that moment, we had a choice to make. We could choose to, uh, we could choose to, to lay down and let the enemy overtake us or we could choose uh, to keep going one foot in front of the other in that valley of the shadow of death, in that disappointing stage where uh, what we hoped for and what actually happened seemed like miles apart, uh, in that place where we choose to say, no, but, but Jesus is with me, and this isn't good. But Jesus doesn't need pain in order to be glorified, but he, he will be with me in this pain. And if I could look to him and still just trust that he hasn't abandoned me, uh, he will teach me some things that will help me later and that will help me right now that are going to show my other kids that Jesus is worth living for, that he really does care, that he brings healing and hope and all of these things, and he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So if we, could, if we can turn to him in those moments, we'll, we'll start to see that, that spread table before us that gives us sustenance for right now for what we need. In every insufficiency we have, I know that the devil, <clears throat> he might be, and I'm just going to close with this, I know that the, the devil may be coming at you this week. Maybe it's today was a tough day. Maybe this month or this year has been a hard year. But um, every time... He tries to, to point out an insufficiency you have. He's trying to suck you into living like a cat and not like a sheep. And it's okay to, it's okay to admit our insufficiencies, but in, in our insufficiencies, God's power and strength is made so much greater. And I, I would rather be a, a sheep that follows him any day. And it, it, interestingly enough, I think... This psalm doesn't end with, uh, there, there's a note of, um, of finality where it says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But when you think back to the beginning of the psalm, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So now, just go with me on this. Uh, that sheep needed at the start of the passage to be cared for and be refreshed. So that would suggest that that sheep before verse 1, probably just came through another valley of the shadow of death. Hey? And then, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And maybe this day, maybe this week, maybe this month feels like the, shall, the valley of the shadow of death, but he's going to bring refreshing and new victory for some moments, and he's going to give you some tenacity for some moments, and he's going to bring you to that place where <sighs> you can take a breath and be reminded that the Lord is my shepherd. 
I have all that I need. He makes me lie down in more green pastures, and there's more quiet waters because, uh, because it's this perpetual cycle from the start of time to one day when we're with Jesus forever, and he wipes away everything. He makes all things new. We're going through this valley and mountain experience, and as we look to him, uh, I encourage you to follow and to face your fears and be ready to, to fill up and to feast during that fight. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.